All right. How y'all doing this morning? Good. Good to see y'all. Chandler, thank you, bro. Love you, man. You and Destiny are doing an awesome job. I mean, incredible job. And I'll tell you, from Tony to all the staff that I've met here, uh, as you well know, leadership is a trickle-down economy, and they are doing such an awesome job. And I know they probably don't even want the attention drawn to them because they're just living their life like this, as you know, right? And just a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, group of people. And man, I love this, man. You, we're family. This is incredible, right? So uh, anyway, my name's Paul. My wife's name is Natalie. She is the bling of the king, my heavenly honey bun, sanctified sweetheart. She is my Bible-believing baby. Come on now. Uh, we've been married 20 years, and we have five kids. And uh, all that means is, let's pray. Anyway, so <laughs> you got what I'm saying? So anyway, uh, if you got your Bibles real quick, let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 to 11. Matthew chapter 9, it's after the book of Genesis. Matthew chapter 9, page 18, uh, 37. Good year, good year. And uh, it's an honor to be here with y'all this morning. I'm pumped. I'm telling you. All right, Matthew chapter 9, as you're turning there, I want to tell you a little story. So uh, like I told you, I got five kids, and this was just a couple years ago. My oldest son's 11 now, but a couple years ago, this movie came out, and some of y'all may be familiar with it. If you're not, it's okay. No big deal. But uh, Disney made a remake of a movie called Mulan. Okay, anybody ever heard of that new remake movie? You're like, Okay, okay, none of you. Right, good, so that's great. It really connects well. So, uh, but uh, we were watching this, this movie, Mulan, on the, on the screen. And in that movie, there's these, these guys in the movie, the bad guys, that, that have this thing called chi. And what chi does, it means is that these guys can do stuff that they normally wouldn't be able to do. Right? They can, like, literally take off on, you know, and run up a wall because they got chi, this special power. So my son, he thinks to himself, hmm, I got chi. And so... I'm in the back of the house. All of a sudden, he, in his mind, he takes off at a dead sprint. I mean, dead sprint through the house into the dining room, puts his foot into the wall thinking he's going to run up. I mean, he believed it, okay? He put his foot poof, right through the wall, hole this big. He comes up to me. He goes, hey, Dad, uh, I thought I had chi. Um, um, I said, well, at least you tried. <laughs> I said, but boy, you ain't got chi. I said, next time, go outside and chew the tree, okay? <laughs> so, um, but in his mind, the model that he followed was the movie. The movie and the people in it were his model to follow. And since he followed that model, that's what he thought he could do and imitate. It ended up in brokenness and in need of repair. He followed the wrong model. And when it comes to wanting to, I, I've only met one person in all my life that I've ever asked them, hey, do you want to waste your life? And they said yes, Right? Um, but most people, as you, as I see it in this church, so good. Most of you, if you were to raise your hand right now, go, man, I don't want to waste my life. I want to live a life of high, not just no high impact for the kingdom of God. I can see that in you. I can see it in this church. It's so exciting. I really don't want to leave. I just want to be a part of it because I see that in your life. But all of that, all of trying to make a great kingdom impact makes a difference of the model that you follow. And all of us in this room today, myself included, have, have to ask the honest question to ourselves today personally and corporately as a body, is that who am I imitating today in my life personally? Am I imitating the movies or am I imitating the maker? Am I imitating what I see on media? And that doesn't matter what age you are. Or am I imitating my master? Am I focusing on the Hollywood stars or the savior of the world? Because if you're going to make a, a, a high-impact difference for the kingdom of God, and my whole life, not just part of it, is going to be spent for the kingdom of God, then it makes a difference what model you follow and the model that I follow. 
And I know Pastor Tony would believe this because I'm telling you, what we're talking about today, I see that this, they're modeling this so well. So let's just, just be an, just an encouragement to keep going. But I know without a shadow of a doubt, as I read through the Bible, there's only one person, there's only one being that the Bible commanded, tells us to fix our eyes on. There's only one that I can see in the Bible. I know Pastor Tony would believe it. Channel would say the same thing. There's only one person in the Scriptures that, that, that the Bible says, fix your eyes on. Raise your gaze from wherever it is to here. And then Hebrews 12, 2 says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the model that we follow. And if I'm going to be honest with you, there came a point in time in my life, I'm just being real with you, there came a point in time in my life that, if I could say it this way, I just... I just got so fed up and I got so tired of being programmed to death, right? I, what I saw in so many churches across the way and even the one that I was in for so long, what I saw was just this idea that, we, that the church today was adopting the model and, and, the, and the procedures that, that the world was giving them. I looked at it and go, man, nowhere in the scriptures do I see that I need to look like the world in order to reach the world. But I saw that in my own life, right? I went, I'm kind of tired of this how-to mentality all the time, these methods and all these things. Till finally, I just had to come to the, to the real conclusion and go, Lord, who am I looking at? Do I need to raise my gaze? What, what, am I looking at you? Are my eyes fixed on Jesus? Because if, here's the spoiler alert, as you probably well know. Jesus, the way he does things, if I'm looking at him this morning, if collectively of a family, like what we do every Sunday, all we're doing is just refocusing on him for the rest of the week. That's what this gathering is. We're just fixing our eyes on him today. Here's what I, here's what I saw Jesus doing. You ready? He, here's, here's, here's how he does it. This is a spoiler alert. Here it goes. He goes, whatever I hear my father saying, I say it. Whatever I see my father doing, I do it. <laughs> I just pray. Go home. Right? That's, that's how Jesus does things. So as we fix our eyes on Jesus here in the scriptures, let's just look at him and see what he's all about. You ready? Here we go. Verse 9, Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 9. So good being with y'all in family time today. And Pastor, thank you for allowing me here. I know I don't take it lightly. I mean, you could have him preach to you. And I know last week's ch- uh, message on forgiveness, we thought it was Chandler preaching, but it was you. We know. But your, your message on forgiveness, I heard, was just awesome. And I can't wait to go back and watch it. So uh, I, take that, I don't take that lightly. So here we go. Verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named, called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And Jesus said to him, follow me. And he rose and he followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So if today, just for our brief time together, if we're just going to fix our eye, refix our eyes on Jesus this morning, then what is, if he's the model that we're going to follow in our life? for all of our life, for high strategic planning, for high impact living for the kingdom of God, then what do we see him doing? What do we see happening? Well, here it is. You ready? In this passage, we see that Jesus lives a life that's up close. He lives a life that's up close. Look at all the things that he does. I mean, he's over here literally touching a leper. He's inviting children to come and sit sit in his lap. Like, I mean, he's bringing them in. You see Jesus literally holding people, weeping with people that have lost people, like Mary and Martha with Lazarus. You see Jesus at maybe hospital areas with sick people praying over them and doing those things like that. You see him with Matthew in Matthew's home sitting around a table having a meal together. You see him literally being up close because here's the thing. Jesus did not model for us if he's the model. And I need you to hear this. I need you to hear this. Jesus did not model for us an up front plan. 
8% of the body of Christ has the spiritual gift of leadership. 92% do not. That's a big deal. But Jesus did not model for us this upfront plan. He modeled an up-close one. That's his model. That's what, how he lives his life. That's why Matthew one twenty three says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll call his name Emmanuel, God with us. You know, one of my favorite things about Jesus, y'all, is his withness. He just loves being with us. Now, I'm going to throw this out there. I could be wrong. It's a little different. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to Mary, like housing Christ in her, like physically, that's different. Okay, that's different. But she literally housed Christ in her. Can I ask you this question? In Christ, what's, technically, what's the difference? Who, is the, who would say that they're the oldest believer in this room? Like, like literally, I'm not trying to like point you out. Who is literally the oldest person in this room? Anybody? There's no old ones? Well, praise God. I'll raise my hand then. All right. No. Anybody? Is, who's the old, who would say this is the oldest believer in the room? Tony, don't point it. Tony, he's not the oldest person in this room. What in the world? Oh, let's just say, let's just say T-Mac. Let's just say, let's say Pastor Tony. Oh, let's just do that. Even though we know he's not the oldest person in this room. Uh, he's the best though. Amen. He's the tiredest in the room. Okay, here we go. All right, so let's tell him. Now, who would say is the youngest believer in the room? The youngest person, maybe even this week. Who would say is the youngest? Over here? You, did you raise your hand? Is that you? That's so awesome. Man, Jesus loves you. Man's like, stay away. Anyway, so, all right, now watch this. You ready? From the youngest believer, if it's there, whoever, to the tiredest and the oldest believer in the room. Now, watch this. There really technically is no difference. Both of them and both of us, all of us, house the living God inside of us. You house Christ in you. He's with you. How cra- I mean, we know that, but how crazy is that that the God who spoke the world into existence, the God that we just sang about who gave his life on the cross, the God who conquered death lives in you. It's amazing. So technically... Mary's not greater than you. In some ways, you house, very similarly, you house the living God within you. Well, what does that mean? That means that you and I, you and me, however you say that English-wise, I don't know, English is my foreign language, just so I'll let you know that. But you and I bring Christ up next to people everywhere that our feet take us. We bring Jesus up close to people, to every single person that you come in contact with. You do, and so do I. Because if I were to ask you who has literally impacted your life the most, if we're honest, yes, there's some people that you see, you know, some, some speakers here and there that have done that. But for the most part, every one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, the people who have impacted our lives the most are the people who have been the most up close and present in our lives. Wouldn't you agree? I'll give you an example like my papa. My papa, I'd spend the night over at his house, he and mamma and Y'all know we're from Mississippi when we say Papa and Mama, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> people, in the, people in the Northland, who? Anyway, so, but my Papa, every morning he'd get up, I'd hear his little, I'd hear his feet, his feet shuffling, you know, his feet shuffling through the hallways about two or three o'clock in the morning. And he'd go and, and I'd, I'd get up because I was my Papa, like he's my favorite people in the whole world, you know, when he was alive. And, and I'd go in there and, and by that time he'd be on literally like his 12th pot of coffee, you know what I'm saying? So he lived on Jesus and coffee a lot. But anyway, so I was in there, but here's what my Papa didn't do. He didn't say, hey, Paul, go back to bed. I'm having my time. 
He never did that. I never can ever remember a time that he told me to go back to bed and turn me away. And he, he was in there, and we had conversations about church, pol- you know, polity and church life, which is why I love the church so much today. But, but he also had the Psalms out. He was a big Psalms guy in the middle of your Bible. You know, he was all about the Psalms. And we just sit there, and I remember, my papa uh, was simply a, a worked at the soul conservation. He was not a pastor. He was not a priest. He was none of those things, right? He was just an everyday, ordinary dude, you know? But he, he, he literally brought me in and let me get up close to him. And we just would talk about things maybe he was having a hard time thinking through in the Psalms. You know, I, I was a kid. <laughs> I didn't know. But you know what? During the hardest and greatest, but the hardest, most darkest times of my life in the, over the last 10 years, three or so year period, do you know what God did in my life and what he used in that time? He brought me back to those conversations with my papa at that breakfast table. To the Psalms. And it's there that I began to understand and see all of life through the lens of God's love and his character. All because Jesus didn't model for us an upfront plan. He modeled an up-close one. Or maybe it could be like my oldest daughter who at nighttime, when, the, when I have three daughters, so when the girls do not want to go to bed, what I've watched over the years is immigration. She, she would call herself highly introverted, okay? And all that means she just, re, just recharges by herself. But at nighttime, when the girls wouldn't go to bed, they were asking questions and stuff. And Emma just allowed that time. She wanted to go to bed, but instead she saw a cool opportunity. So now I can tell you that over, the, over a span of five or six or seven years, two of the five others besides Emma have come to Christ primarily because Emma Grace was, was willing to just be available. When mom and dad were going, go to sleep, she was there having conversations in her own way, in her own language, her own age, and just simply pointing them to the one that had made a difference in her life. Because here's the thing. You may impress from a distance, but you impact up close. Jesus modeled for us an up close plan. But not only that, Jesus didn't just bring up close. Not only do you and I bring Jesus up close to everybody that we come in contact with, but Jesus also modeled, if we're fixing our eyes on him this morning, he did mainstream, right? He was in all so many different places. Because I need to tell you this and just remind you of this, just remind you of this. You don't need a stage. You don't need a stage or even a building to make a difference for the cause of Christ. In Acts 10, 38, Jesus went about doing good. If you look at all the places that Jesus went, it's incredible. The whole world is your stage because the earth is the Lord's and everything and everyone that's in it. Your whole world is your stage. But look at all the places that Jesus went. I mean, he went to synagogues. He was in buildings. He went to places of worship. He was in homes. He would have table time and meals with people. I mean, he was, he was in the streets. He went to the mountains. He was by the sea in bodies of water or gulf or whatever that is out there. It's amazing how many people, in, hey, do you guys go to the beach? Oh, no, it's terrible down here. What? It's a beach. Anyway, I'm just saying, a little interesting. So he was, by, he was at funeral places. He was at hospitals. I mean, I need you to see that because Jesus, I need you to hear this. He's not just up close. He's mainstream. He, he's not tied to one specific location. And I often wonder, even in my own heart, like, do I simply have an Old Testament mentality where it's the temple mentality and you got to go? Like, do I have an Old Testament mentality in my thinking about impact? Or is John 4 taking root in my heart when Jesus says, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth everywhere and every place my feet go? Because Jesus was mainstream. I mean, look at the people that God used in the places that they were. I mean, Abel was a farmer. That was the field. Noah was a builder and a prophetic weather forecaster. 
It's going to rain. Get on the boat. Samuel was a child. David was a teenager in fields, different battlefields. Elisha was a landowner. Peter was a fisherman on the water. Matthew was a government worker. John was a young adult. Jesus was a carpenter. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, for most of his life, was a carpenter? I mean, three years of, of, of itinerant place-to-place type stuff. But most of his life, he was a builder. He was making stuff. Why? Here's what I think, and I could be wrong. But I think it's to validate and affirm you and your mainstream position of influence. I think what Jesus is showing us is that wherever you are, wherever place and stage he has you in, whatever field, right, whatever stage that looks like for you, I think Jesus wants you to know that where you are is exactly where I've placed you because I'm in you and you're bringing me up to people that may never step foot in this place. And you know that. I just want to remind you of that because if we're fixing our eyes on him, he's validating and affirming you this morning in the place where he has placed you. Because as you well know, now probably not for Pastor Tony, that man might be the most liked individual in the world. I'm just telling you right now, like, I love that dude. I said, does he might not like him? Maybe, but probably not. But when you go somebody that's like just a preacher dude, like I'm a nobody, but you got what I'm saying. Like, I, this is what God's asked me to do, so here you go. But I don't know why, but it is. But when I remember one time when you said, when somebody finds out that I'm a, 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 somebody that speaks or preaches, it ain't good sometimes, okay? Now, I, don't, I ain't ashamed of it, but I had a guy I used to teach and we were at a, at a, at he graduated, he was at a baseball game, had a beer in his hand. I know, hey, hashtag no judgment, whatever. So there's a, there's a beer in his hand. And we're sitting there talking for a good 10 minutes. I don't think he understands who he's talking to. He's a Tad Hayes, you got what I'm saying? So he's got a beer in his hand. He goes, hey, man, how you been doing, though? And so I started telling him some things God's been doing. I promise you, lie to you not. We're, I'm sitting there talking. He's got a glazed eye. All of a sudden, he goes like this. He takes his beer, <laughs> and he hides it behind his back. I said, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> right? Because you don't understand, when people find out that what I do what I do, it's like those penguins in Madagascar. They're like, back away slowly, boy, smile and wave. You know what I'm saying? But they don't do that with you. Right? You're in a mainstream place. You have this camouflage. See, you don't just work a job. You're actually getting paid by whoever you work for to bring Jesus up close to those people in those places and spaces. Just like, he, just like staff here gets paid to, to give all their time to this, you actually get paid to give all your time to do a job with excellence, wisdom, and joy and to bring Christ up close to people. That's your job. You just get paid for it in a different setting. Like there was this guy that was a fireman in, in Mississippi, or other part of Mississippi, and he also was a, a build, he had owned his little building company. And he said, man, there's just a lot of need around. I see stuff and people that need stuff. So I can, just, I can get guys all around, and we'll go, hey, we'll help this lady who needs some help here. We'll help this person over here. And he started rallying people in the church. Y'all probably have people like that here. And he just got, go and just he'd take these guys, and it was awesome. I'm sitting in the truck with him. He's got his little dip can right there in, in the thing spitting in it. He goes, I go, bro, let me ask you a question. Has anybody in church ever validated you in what you're doing? Like we send missionaries off, and rightly so. Has anybody ever prayed over you and sent you out? Like, as a missionary to where you are, he goes, no. Nobody's ever validated that for me. I said, let's do it right now. So we prayed over the truck, in, in the, over him. I prayed over him in the truck and sent him out as someone who was up close, mainstream, bringing Jesus up next to people in the everyday places. As God's missionary where he was. And I'm not lying to you, this grown man began to, tears began to hit the console and puddle up in there. Because no one had ever validated his position of influence as if it were God's plan. 
I need you to see this morning and be reminded of that you are not second rate. There's no more room in me or the pastoral staff here for Jesus than there is in you. There's no less Jesus in you than there is in me. He is with you. He's with you. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, he doesn't just get up close in the mainstreams. It's one life at a time. Now, I need you to do this right here. You ready to go? So I hope y'all brushed your teeth this morning. <laughs> but, but here's why I say that. Some of y'all have no problem with crowds, right? That's great. God built you that way. But for others of us in the room, we're going, I can never do what you do. Good, because you don't need to. <laughs> you don't need to do what I do. I don't encourage it either. But one life at a time, every single one of us can have that happen in our lives, right? Jesus had one leper, talked to one leper. He was one woman at the well. There was one blind Bartimaeus. You understand that right now that Jesus would stop the service. He would leave all of us right now, technically, if there was one person out on that street that needed to know Christ. He would stop everything and say, hold up. If there's one of you in this room that needed to turn to Christ and belong to his family by faith. He cares deeply about the one. And do we? Do I? Because I need you to understand that Jesus doesn't just have time for people out there. He has time for you as well. He doesn't just tolerate you. You hear me? Jesus doesn't just tolerate you. The Bible says in Christ, you're the apple of his eye. You're the little person in his eye. If I'm looking at you, you're going to see your reflection in my eye. In Christ, that's your life in, in him. He loves you. He loves being with you. He values your one life. And just like one raindrop can lead to a flood, so one life impacted up close can lead to countless others. Like one domino. You don't focus on the 10th domino. You focus on the one right in front of you. Hit it, and it does the rest. I'll give you an example. When I was growing up, I was always known for sports. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like that. Not that every athlete's like this, but I was. I was like that dumb jock, you know, like attitude growing up. You know, if the shoe fits you know, give it to somebody or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So I told you, the, other, the students the other day, like uh, the only A I ever got in school was in the form of a greeting. Hey, Paul, how you doing? Be good. See you later, right? It was not good. English was my foreign language kind of thing, you know? So, but growing up, that, that tag, even as a junior high kid, fit me, right? I didn't care about school. I get it. But I was always known as that, that athlete dude that was never really going to amount to anything if sports didn't work out. I was like dumb as a brick kind of thing, you know? A few marbles short of a Happy Meal. You got what I'm saying? It just wasn't good. So, um, but, but one day in seventh grade, right, Miss Noble, and you know Miss Noble, when I, she taught me a long time ago, and this was a long time ago, but Miss Noble, out of everybody, one day we were, we were reading, I think that's what they were doing because I wasn't paying attention, but they were reading, and she goes, hey, Paul, could you read out loud? And I thought to myself, I, I really questioned going, can I read? Anyway, so but I, I went up and I, and I got up, and I just read, I don't know, just 30 seconds, whatever it was, and I will never forget it. To this day, it's been over 30 years. She looked at me in front of everybody, a class of about 30. She said, Paul, you are a very good public reader. I sat back down. I'm going to tell you what. Every day after that, she asked for somebody to read. I went, I'll do it, Miss Noble. (laughs) So, but but here's the thing. Miss Noble, her stage was a classroom. Her mainstream was that classroom in a small little town in Raymond, Mississippi. 
And that one life that she got up close to, she had one minute, one second, one minute, one thing of encouragement to one life out of 30 she got up close to in that moment. She had no idea that 30 plus years later that I still remember it with tears in my eyes. That, that God used that phrase in, her, in my life from her in that one moment to that one student in that one moment in time. She had no idea what God was up to. She couldn't, she, I don't, I've, I've texted her now from that, but she would have no idea how God would use that in my life. And now God's got me, for some reason, traveling, doing what I'm doing, reading out loud. She had no idea that one life would impact others for the kingdom of God. Because it's never just about one life, is it? There's always others that will come from that. When I had Emma Grace at our pond on our property in Mississippi, I get her to have a rock in her pond, I have her throw it out as far as she could. And as you know, that rock would hit that pond, and what would it do, right? It would, it would spread out and stretch out in every direction in the pond. Let me remind you this morning, family, that your life up close in the mainstreams, everyday places of life, one life at a time, will cause an eternal ripple effect that would break out and move out in every direction. The generations yet unborn would know his name and his works because of you in Christ. Yes, you, as we fix our eyes, as we raise our gaze off of ourselves and other things around us and fix our eyes on Jesus. So not only is Jesus our model to follow, he's our, but I often wonder, what did the disciples learn when they fixed their eyes on Jesus? <laughs> I mean, they got a front row seat. I mean, I wonder, what did they learn? Well, here's what I think they learned. Now, this is going to cause a little participation. I'm going to give you a heads up, okay, just so you know. I think what they saw Jesus doing is they, that Jesus would see people along the way in those mainstream places. Jesus would see people along the, the way. All over the place. You ready? Watch this. What did Jesus do? You ready? Here's what they saw. I want you to do this right. You ready? He would see people. Come on. You're going to need to know this. Don't worry. He would what? Come on. Come on. Come on. He would see people, right? I don't care how you look. You look foolish, but it's awesome. Here we go. You would see people. What did Jesus do along the mainstreams? He would see people. Come on. Because here's the thing. At lunch, just like the lady at Raising Cane's last night in the drive-thru, she goes, you're the first person that's been nice to me all day. I'm serious. How many Christians see people and waitresses and do not ask anything to them? Because most people do not feel seen, and they, therefore they don't feel seen by God. So what did Jesus do? Come on, here we go. He would see people, right? He would see people along the way. People felt seen when they were in the presence of Jesus. Jesus went on from there, and he saw a man. Because let me tell you, you know as well as I do, you can be around people all day long. You can be around people in church, and you never really see them. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I see you. Come on, if you, I don't want nobody left out. Say, I see you. Come on. There we go. Good. Because people can be in this church and never feel seen, right? But Jesus saw people. Like my Mimi, she grew up, she was in South Jackson, okay? And uh, when my granddaddy died, it was just her. She would sit on the front porch and listen to the police scanner all day long. And she was there, and all the kids in the neighborhood would come to her. Like legit after school, they'd all be flocking to her uh, front porch. And she's sitting on the chair inside of her. It was yesterday. She was sitting there and goes, Paul, how can I make a difference for the kingdom of God? I'm not a preacher. I I've never been to seminary. I don't, I don't know how to I read the Bible very well. Like, what can I do? I said, Mimi. I said, you literally have. God has brought the whole neighborhood kids to your porch after school. And all of a sudden, like a light bulb went off. Because let me tell you something. She's not the only one that feels like they can't make a, a difference for the kingdom of God. 
I have felt so many times, like, Lord, what difference can I make for the kingdom of God? I ain't got nothing. I ain't got no money. But all of a sudden, she went, I got cookies. And I responded, you did have cookies. Those were delicious. We'll get you some more. But anyway, so, but the true story. But, but, but she, all of a sudden, she, it's like, I said, Mimi, they're coming to your neighborhood. They don't, they don't want to just hear your God stories. That'll come eventually. But you're listening to their lives and what's going on at school. And you're just, they, I mean, it can be anything. Just tell them. They want to know what it's like to ride the first dinosaur. I mean, you were there. Tell them. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. But here's the thing. She became known as the cookie lady. And long after she's gone, that was a rock in the pond. And the conversations that she had over years' time as a widow on a fixed income in South Jackson still can be remembered and especially is remembered because she began to raise her gaze and fix her eyes on Jesus and realize that she brought Jesus up close. Her stage was her front porch. It was uh, Josh Gaddy. Chandler and I know him pretty well. When we were, he was a senior in high school. And uh, he, a, a long story short, his dad had like a brain aneurysm really quickly. Kind of, they thought he had a stomach bug, and then he passed away. And I know it's extremely tragic, a lot of tragedy, right? And I know church has experienced that as well. But he's lost his dad. He's in the hospital the, the day his dad had passed away, and, and he's sitting there, and he's just, you know, he's crying. I'm just sitting there with him, standing with him. And he looks over and sees a guy standing over here. And it's a guy that's it's visibly drunk, I mean, plastered. And, and Josh goes, I think I need to go see him. And, talk to him. He, so he does. He sees him, and he walks over there, and he goes, hey, um, you okay? He goes, man, no, like my brother just in a motorcycle crash, and, and like he, he's, uh, he's, you know, he's not going to make it. And he goes, man, I just want you to know, like, my dad just died. Like, it's awful. I don't even know how to process that. And he goes, but I just want you to know that God sees you, and I just want to pray for you. He goes, man, please do. And as Josh Gaddis, a senior in high school, in his greatest tragedy, Saul the one that Jesus saw and spent time with him there. And some of you are doing this, but some of you need to know that your upbringing and the tragedies and difficulties in your life, those are ways that help you see. I think it might be possible. I think it might be possible why Jesus always had the cross on his mind. I think it's possible. This is why Jesus always had the cross on his mind because it allowed him to sympathize and really see the people that were suffering around him. Like you said earlier, Pastor, that there's so many things happened this week alone. But it allows you to see the pain and the suffering in other people's lives. Some of us in this room, not just continue to go on the trips that, that God has with this church. Some of you in this room, God wants you to say, hey, psst, I want you to see an unreached people group that doesn't know yet. Right? You've got a taste of it already. Keep doing that. But I want you to see a people that don't know him yet. Some of y'all, he's going he's gonna to ask you to tap you on the shoulder continually, right? Whether it's today or another day, he might already be doing it. He says, hey, I want you, I want you to see this area over here. They don't have anybody that knows me. And all you're going to do is just start praying about that. Lord, what do you, who do you, how do you want me to see them? That's how friends of mine, Charlie and Nathan, started. Now the Hadzabe people, who are the uh, click language in the bush of Africa, now have the Bible translated in their language. And, and there's three generations of believers when it was unreached. Because as teenagers, they just, God said, hey, see this on the map. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> they say we still don't. But God does. Some of y'all in here, he wants you to see a people group, not just a neighbor, but a nation that doesn't know him. But not only does, does Jesus do that, because in Jesus' presence, people don't feel overlooked, but seen. 
So not only does Jesus see people along the way, Jesus will stop with people one life at a time. All right, come on. So here we go. I want you to help because look, you're going to need this when that waitress is serving you something at lunch today if you're not at the house. Some of you parents are going to need to see your children. Some kids, you need to see what's going on in your parents and be there for them. You're going to need to do what? Here it is. Ready? So Jesus' ministry is see and stop. Come on, let's do this together. Ready? He's going to see people and he's going to stop with them. Come on, you guys got to do this. Y'all, let's go. You got to see people and stop with them one life at a time. Oh, I'm sorry. You're probably going to need this Monday too. So you're going to need to see people and stop with them one life at a time. Jesus says, as he went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth. Isn't that awesome? That Jesus would stop. God in the flesh, he's got a mission, but he doesn't see this as insignificant. He stopped long enough to learn Matthew's name. You know, when you come to Christ, Jesus takes the time to write your name in his book. He takes time to learn name. You know how many people the Apostle Paul mentioned by name in his letters? Apostle Paul got to reach the world now, right? This is 99. Paul mentioned 99 people by name in his letters because he didn't just see people. He stopped long enough to learn their name. Because as you would know as well as I do is that when you stop long enough, you can learn a person's story, can't you? And that gives a lot of opportunity for you. I always think about Zacchaeus, you know, the wee little man. I don't know why I said that in the accent, but, you know, the wee little man. All the crowds are trying to get more. Let me see more of the fireworks show, Jesus. Let me see more of what Jesus, I need, I need, I need, me, 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 I, I, I. If they pushed back the person that Jesus wanted to see and stop with in the first place. Some of us are so like, feed me, we need more. That we're, see, we're missing seeing and stopping with somebody that Jesus wants you to see and stop with. But Zacchaeus, I mean, he's like, hey, Zacchaeus, there's his name. I got to go to your house, man. Huh? Come on down. My middle daughter, Chloe, <laughs> when she was a little younger, she would we'd be walking. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm a time guy. You know, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm getting better at this, but I'm, I'm like, all right, let's go. You know, my, I grew up going, hey, if, you're, if you need to eat at 930 and if you're there at 915, you're late, right? So, uh, but anyway, so I'm running. I'm like, I, we're walking to the yard. Chloe, come on, we got to go. Come on, we got to go. And all of a sudden, Chloe stops. She goes, this is her. She goes, oh, daddy. Oh, daddy. Oh, Daddy, look at this beautiful flower God made. And I look down, and I'm like, sweetheart, that is a blade of grass. Hurry up. Come on, you know. But, but what's interesting is what I would view as an irrelevant weed, she would stop and see it as a God-made flower. And I thought to myself, am I in, am I in, in such a hurry to get to my destination, that I missed the very thing that Jesus loves and bled and gave his life for. People. 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 Well, not only does Jesus see people in the mainstream everyday life, at work, at school, at home, in the drive-thru, in the restaurant, everywhere that your feet take you. But he will stop with people one life at a time. But he doesn't just do that. He spends time with people up close. He spends time with people up close. So not only does he see people, he stops and spends time with people. So come on, you know I want you to do this with me because I want you to remember. Remember, we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. This is his model and method. This is what he does. He still does it. Not he used to. He's still alive today. And he's doing it through you. Ready? So here we go. He's going to do what? Come on, come on. Here we go. He's going to see people. Stop. Spend time with. Come on, let's try it one more time. He's going to see people. Stop and spend time 
with. Come on, I think y'all need to do this a little bit more. I'm going to put a little tune to this in a second. Here we go. You ready? You're going to see people stop and spend time with. That's the model of Jesus. I'm going to tell you, God loves spending time with you. He loves spending time with people. He loves it. I remember I'm at the park, and I've been guilty of this. Y'all know y'all have too. I watched this park with all these kids. My kids were there, and there's this parent on the phone, and they're just doing this. You know, they're just scrolling, you know, on the phone. we <laughs> are guilty of that. Anyway, just scrolling. It's interesting. You scroll this way, and you scroll this way, and you scroll this way, and this way, and the cross is always before us, so we don't see it. But anyway, so he's just scrolling. He's just scrolling, and the kids are going, Mom, Daddy, Mom, Daddy, Mom, Daddy, Mom, Daddy, look, 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 and I've been very guilty of that, if I'm honest with you. But they ignored the child. That they, the child wanted them to see them, stop, and just spend a little time with them. That's all that child wanted in that moment. But that parent deemed in the distraction that that was more important than spending time with the child. And I need you to understand that God is not too busy to spend time with you. I like to say it this way. He ain't got no cell phone. Okay? I'm sorry. He just don't have one. But he's not too busy to spend time with you. I mean, look what he did with Matthew. While Jesus was having dinner, spending time at Matthew's house, he's coming to save the world. He's coming to give his life on the cross. But he did not view spending time with Matthew at a meal as a waste of time. That's crazy that God would not view spending time with us as a waste. Write this down if you want to. Jesus walked, he never ran. He walked, he never ran. He's not in a hurry. Because he came for people. I remember my mom out in the country, out in the country roads, she would, she one day literally saw these, these in her area was a ton of widows who didn't, their husbands had passed away. She saw them and she stopped and goes, hey, what, what you guys need? Is there anything I can be there for you? And then she spent time with now. Now she started over a span of years, they call it the down around girls. Right? They just go and just meet together, have a blast, have a meal. That might have turned into some Bible study. And it has turned into what's called the Princess Prayer Warriors. Right? Over the span of years. You know what they're doing right now. Those down around ladies, those Princess Prayer Warriors, you know what they're doing right now. Literally, right now. They are interceding and praying for you. Literally crying out to God that we would encounter the living Christ. All because one person would see people stop and spend time with them. We were at the, we were actually right up here at the coast at, I call it the casino for kids. <laughs> I don't remember what the name of it is, but it's something. And all of a sudden there's, you know, you get all play all these games and the kids get these little trinket toys, 25 cent trinket toys. And Levi, my son at the time has got this little toy. You can't get the cap off of it. Anyway, but we go upstairs on the top of this, this uh, hotel and the guy comes up and goes, Paul, I mean, he didn't know my name. I'm just saying that. Paul, he goes, Hey, hey, Dude, I've been working here 13 years. I've seen every sunset just about you could see. you got to come see this sunset. It's the most beautiful sunset I've ever seen in my whole entire life. I went, okay. I love sunsets. Anybody? So anyway, I went out there. All my kids, Levi's up there. And uh, y'all, I swear to you, it looked like heaven just bled. It looked like heaven just trickled down. Like the streets. It was literally was, to this day, the most beautiful sunset I've ever seen in my life. I go, Levi, Levi, man, look at that sunset. He's got that little trinket twinkle. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's good, that's good. And he's trying to get the darn top off the thing. He's like, yeah, that's good, yeah, good. I said, son, put that thing down. I said, you're missing the glory of God. You're missing it. You're missing it. He goes, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, that's good, that's good, that's good. And that sunset went away. 
He got the toy open and it broke. And he goes, I want to see the sunset now. It's just too late. I am concerned. Are we so distracted, so distracted by the shiny things and the toys of this world that we are actually missing God's glory in the, and seeing the people that he wants us to see, stop, and spend time with. Because you spell love, T-I-M-E. I know he was tired. I know he was. I know that he works his tail off. I know my dad is the only dad in all the people in my family. We had big family gatherings. All the other dads have been there taking a snooze or resting or watching football or something. My dad's a big sports guy. I know he was tired. But I can never remember a time that my dad was not out there playing with us. They were all the dads. They wanted their dads to come out to. My uncles are great men, great men. But my dad always had time for us. And you know what that taught me today? It taught me, huh, that must be what God's like. No wonder the cross makes sense. Because God wants not just to spend time, but eternity with you. I don't know about you, but what would it look like every day that I wake up to go, Lord, who's the one at my job? Who's the one in my house? Who's the one at church? Who's the one at the grocery store? Who's the one at my school? Who's the one at my team? Who's the one along the way, wherever you send me? Who's the one person that you want me to see today and stop and spend unhurried time with? Who's the one? Because I'm going to tell you right now, family, the world is begging. No, no, that's not right. That's not right. The world is dying for us to slow down, put away distraction, get our eyes off of ourselves and our stuff, and spend time with them. The only question is, will you do that? Fix your eyes on Jesus. And if I remember correctly, David, when his eyes were on the Lord, he said, Lord, with you, I can scale a wall. And I wonder what would happen with you and Jesus as you fix your eyes on him and just simply imitate what you see. Say what you hear. Because how exciting would it be if every single Christian, every day, everywhere, but do what Jesus did and just see, stop, and spend time with people up close in the mainstreams one life at a time. Because you are God's main plan for reaching the neighbor and the nations across the street and around the world. And there's not a plan B. Well, let's pray a little bit.